In order to truly become part of the global business environment, your business needs to constantly change and adapt to a variety of new constants. Welcome to Leadership Beyond Borders with Kimberly J. Lewis. We will help you navigate these changes on today's program and help you think beyond the boundaries. The opportunities are limitless if you are prepared. Now, here is your host, Kimberly J. Lewis. Welcome to Leadership Beyond Borders. I'm Kimberly Lewis, your host. And this series is in cooperation with Cinda. Cinda brings you thought leaders and business stories from all over the world. Now, you can learn more about Cinda on www.cinda.org. Now, we don't only bring you thought leaders from around the world, but we also have listeners from all around the world. So good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, wherever you may be listening from today. And if you're new to the series, let me tell you what this series is about. Leadership Beyond Borders is about the impact globalization, digital transition, and the connected world is having on our organizations and what this impact is doing to the kind of leadership we need to drive long-term success in today's economy. In this series, we've talked about everything from business issues such as artificial intelligence and digital transitions to leadership issues such as gender balance and business values and ethics that may impact your organization or your individual career. So listen to us live every Tuesday, 3 p.m. Pacific time. And if you miss this live, don't worry about it. We are on every major podcast platform from Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher. You can find us there. And I invite you to connect with me. Send me your thoughts and insights to leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com or connect with me on my website, leadershipbeyondborders.net. Let me know what you want to hear on this show. So if you're in a leadership position or aspire to be in one, regardless if your business is international or local, Make sure you join us each week and we'll make sure you take away something useful for either your business or yourself. Now, today's episode, we're going to talk about something that impacts all of us, and especially if you have a business. Three years ago, the European Union implemented the General Data Protection Regulation, GDPR as they call it for short, in an effort to protect citizens' privacy. Deemed as the toughest privacy and security law in the world, it imposes obligations onto organizations anywhere, not just in the European Union, um, but outside of the European Union, as long as companies target people in the European Union. So the question we're going to look into today is how are small and medium businesses coping with the challenge that GDPR or data protection and data management poses? Data management is the key to whatever the size of the company and increasing rules on data protection and data management can sometimes be very difficult to follow and cope with, no matter how big your business is. Now, last year, our sponsor, Cinda, partnered with UserCentrics, a leader in the area of consent management platforms headquartered in Munich, Germany, to run a survey of 600 SMBs in Germany, France, and UK, and try to find out what they're doing about data protection and data management, and what their awareness is around that. So our guest today is going to talk about those results and talk about the trends that we're seeing in Europe. So 
Our guest today is Jürgen Weikert, and he is the Chief Revenue Officer at UserCentrics. He holds a degree in business administration and has more than 20 years of experience in the fields of sales, marketing, and business development in the online industry. In his current position, he's responsible for the development of new business fields, markets, customers. And prior to his role at UserCentrics, Jürgen was the head of the strategic partner development at Google for the DOC region of Europe, and he played an essential role in setting up the channel reseller program for Google, and this program became an important growth factor for Google. And before joining Google, the online uh, marketing and e-commerce expert was co-founder and chief sales officer at Deal United, a company specializing in performance marketing, monetization, and fields of social media and gaming. Jürgen, welcome to the show. Thanks, Kimberly. Thanks for having me and excited to be here. Yeah. So, so just for our listeners, can we can we come back up a little bit? Um, you, what you know, it's been three years since the GDPR came in Europe, and um, I know that there. You know, we have also st- listeners in the U.S. and and the U.S. has had similar rules like CCPA in California. Um, so, what are some of the major rules that that um, are part of this this data protection um, kind of blanket? Very, very good question. So um, GDPR, GDPR, uh, GDPR came into place. Uh, American regulations are coming. Colorado just uh, announced uh, major changes. So uh, it's a very timely topic. Data protection and data management are a hot topic. Not everybody likes them, but at least it's very important. And what we see is a constant evolution. Uh, there are new guidelines. The law has been three years old, but there are different interpretations from national data protection authorities, state uh, data protection authorities, and new privacy regulations emerging all over the globe. So in order to stay up to date and compliant, companies have to keep on informing themselves. Furthermore, it's really becoming not just a legal issue anymore, but really a business topic. So the major rules to answer your question are really, really hard to describe because they are a moving target because of permanently changing interpretations. Mm-hmm. And so when it, when it originally came out, just to give our listeners a little background, this was basically to protect the individual, to protect my data, okay? Um, so what, what would you, what is kind of the, basic premise behind the GDPR or laws v. GDPR and CCPA in California? So um, the basic premise is, of course, uh, protecting the consumers. And uh, in order to do so, there are certain regulations in order how to collect data, how to forward data, how to handle data once it's been collected, um, what to do with the data, And uh, a lot of it has a security side, but also a side of for which purpose can I work with data on which legal basis? That is something all the laws have in common. What they also have in common is that users need to have control over the data, meaning they can usually either opt into, for example, data being passed to, I don't know, Facebook or Google, or they can opt out of uh, companies selling the data 
as it is uh, stated in the CCPA, but the ground, uh, the ground principle is basically the same, giving users control. Um, so um, those are the principles where, of course, these principles have still have to meet a lot of education. Mm -hmm. So, so if these are the principles, Jurgen, then um, you know these principles been have been around for three years now. Uh, but I would think if I'm a company sitting with this big pool of data, um, how I, how critical is content management um, when it comes to this? You know, it comes to this big pool of data from a company point of view, if the consumers have these rights. Yeah, so uh, you, uh, very good question. So in terms of um, having the rights, having the rights is one thing. Consent management actually allows companies to actually document what the decision of the user has been and to act upon it. So in before, um, or, or let's say when GDPR uh, came into place, usually we also see that with new regulations, the first, <clears throat> the first wave is about legal topics. So, oh, there's a new privacy law, um, boom, legal topic. Usually then uh, the legal departments ask consultants for advice, uh, work on some privacy policies, um, sometimes change business practices, and uh, then usually consent management comes into play to say, okay, when you have a privacy policy, when you have a business practice to say, I only use data if the user actively consented, just to make sure that I respect the user's rights, then consent management comes into place. So um, securing basically the legal um, documentation where, the role is shifting, though. So consent management actively asking the customer for his or her permission to use the data is slowly evolving into, let's say, a signal of trust, um, a signal of transparency, which means creating user trust and brand uh, and hence brand value. Mm -hmm. So crucial yes because it's legally required yes because it has branding uh, and of course because companies need some programmatic automatic way how to handle user consent or disconsent otherwise the margin of error is just too large and the laws don't allow margins of error and mm -hmm. also the user trust doesn't allow margins of error imagine hey, we accidentally used your data, although you did not permit it, it's not a good message to the consumer. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, and I mean, when you said, that, when you talk about programmatic, and I want to talk about, you know, you have a um, consent management platform, and I'd like to ask you what you're seeing with that from the companies you're working with. Um, but before before you answer that, I just want to kind of go back in time capsule three years. And I remember, mm -hmm. um, what was the cutoff? May 31st, I think it was, in, uh, three years ago. And all of a sudden, we were all bombarded with these emails on, you know, yeah. Please, please give us consent, okay? And it looked like there was absolutely no organization behind that, okay? Um, so I mean, absolute. But but you have a consent management platform. So so how how do you work with customers with that? That's uh, uh, 
I also recall these days, and uh, <laughs> yeah. it was twenty fifth of May two thousand eighteen. Uh, okay. I have to I have to know that <laughs> that date yes. by heart. That's my job, but um, definitely uh, there was a bombardment. There was chaos. There was websites t uh, taken offline for Europeans. Um, many large U.S. publications were not available anymore to European citizens because the owners were just afraid. So um, a lot of things have evolved since then, of course, um, meaning people got aware that this is just a regulation. And um, first there was panic. You, you described that really well. And then after the panic, companies realized, oh, okay, I'm not fined. So the, the governments don't find my company away. Um, so do I have to do anything at all? And then slowly there were a few very important European court rulings, which led to the fact that basically an opt-in consent for GDPR is um, is required. The European Court of Justice decided that on October 2019, 1st of October 2019. So that was a wave where, where then, um, where then really everything um, normalized by People just got their consent management first, also in a hurry. Mm -hmm. uh, we realized that extremely with um, basically hundreds of companies calling us every day. And um, then suddenly everything normalized. People took a look and, okay, what is a consent management platform really for? And what it's for now is to create trust, brand trust, enable your marketing by collecting consent by informing the user why you do these things and why you collect the data. So we see prof um, we see the whole market professionalized uh, now. Mm -hmm. So it's gone, it's gone, gone from kind of a legal aspect to a, to a more a marketing aspect where, where the data is actually managed and the consent is managed. Um, and, you know, this was three years ago. I, I, um, we're going to take a short break. And when we come back, I want, I want to talk about the market research and what's actually happening out there. Because you Super. kind of hit you, you kind of hit a sore spot for me. And I know where your market research is on, on the Europe. But um, I'm an American living in Europe. And I still get blocked from U.S. publications. It makes me crazy. So, I mean, so, <laughs> so, so, I, so I'm curious on how many businesses really understand that. And that's what we're going to talk yeah. about after the break. And for our listeners, we are talking with Jürgen Weikert, and he is the Chief Revenue Officer at UserCentrics. He holds a degree in business administration, has more than 20 years of experience in the fields of sales, marketing, and business development. And UserCentrics has a consent management platform and works with many companies all over the Europe and the United States on helping them kind of navigate this sea of data protection and GDPR. Now, if you'd like to learn more about UserCentrics, you can go to UserCentrics at UserCentrics centrics on facebook at user centrics on twitter and on linkedin under user centrics and the website is www.usercentrics.com 
And this broadcast is also brought to you by Cinda. And Cinda holds virtual trainings, conferences, market research, and legislative white papers focused on digital. So please go to www.cinda.org for more information. And Cinda will be holding its first conference since the pandemic in Berlin, October 10 to 13th. And User Centrics and Jurgen are going to be presenting their white paper and doing a presentation on market research that we're just briefly talking about today in this broadcast. So with that, we are going to take a short break and we'll be right back. what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. Tune in to the soul of enterprise, business and the knowledge economy with co-hosts Ron Baker and Ed Klass. Ron and Ed will show you how to recognize that wealth is created by intellectual capital. It's all in the possibilities that we can create and that are created for us. These possibilities are destined to be discovered by human imagination and through the service of others, creating a brighter future for all of us. The Soul of Enterprise is heard live every Friday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel with a replay on Fridays at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Today we live in a truly global environment. Business can more easily be conducted now in almost any part of the world. How do you, as a business owner or professional, navigate the ever-changing business landscape? Tune in to Leadership Beyond Borders with host Kimberly J. Lewis. With a worldwide resource of guests, you'll find out what opportunities and challenges surround diverse and virtual organizations. Listen live every Tuesday at 3 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. are listening to Leadership Beyond Borders. Do you have a question or comment about our show? Please send an email to leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Again, that's leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Now back to this week's program. Welcome back to Leadership Beyond Borders. I'm Kimberly Lewis, your host. And this broadcast is brought to you by Cinda. And if you want to learn about Cinda, you can go to www.cinda.org. It is a nonprofit digital association, one of the fastest growing in Europe. And talk, today we're talking about a subject that is really important to businesses out there as well as us as private consumers. And we are talking with Jürgen Weikert, and he is the chief revenue officer at UserCentrics. And UserCentrics is a Munich-based company that provides consent management systems and helps businesses manage this the sea of confusion around data privacy consent management. So Jurgen, we kind of we kind of just before the break, we kind of kind of took a step back to remind everybody you know, what's going on up there, okay? Um, because it's been three years now since since yeah. these privacy issues. And I made the comment that, um, yeah, you know, I think some people, in my experience, personal experience, is that there's some businesses that still don't understand it. And you did um, you did a, a survey with Cinda together and... Um, uh, with SMBs, so can you can you just tell us a little bit about who you surveyed and and what you asked them? 
Absolutely. So uh, April, May, we conducted the survey, six, 600 SMBs uh, in UK, France and Germany, even evenly split into three brackets of uh, 200 companies each. And uh, the distribution was uh, basically across companies of several sizes, excluding freelancers, mm -hmm. but um, putting them into brackets of companies up to 50 employees from 51 to 100 or from 101 to 250. So also evenly split in um, three thirds. So different sized businesses in different regions uh, in Europe and uh, with three sets of questions, general questions uh, around privacy, daily operate questions about daily operational things and questions around first and third party data and cookies. Mm -hmm. Okay. So let's, let's kind of go into some of the results. Um, you know, so what, you know, on the general questions, yeah, what were some of the results you say on, uh, you know, starting with kind of the general privacy? I mean, did people understand it or not understand it? Um, were they aware of it? I think the awareness is definitely there. We actually felt a surprising confidence. So um, the vast majority, two thirds, and even in the UK, three quarters of the polled companies believe that they are well positioned in terms of data protection. So uh, high, confidence, uh, high confidence levels. Um, not everyone though. So there are still large groups that don't feel confident. So looking at this data, two thirds each in France and Germany, three quarters in the UK, the question that arises out of this data is, are companies really well positioned or do, you, or do they just think they have invested enough? Because what they did is they certainly invested a lot of effort in the GDPR wave, the first mm -hmm. GDPR wave we have been talking about uh, earlier. So they think they have done that. Um, so they could think they have done it. They invested a, lo a lot of money three years ago, and now they are pretty well set up. But um, we don't know. And uh, also um, the confidence is there. We, we see also quite a difference in terms of usage of content man management platforms mm -hmm. in the specific countries. Amazing. So less than half of German businesses, polled businesses, use a CMP, a consent management platform. Wow. 73.5 in France. So hmm. percent. Again, three quarters, this time in France, 63% in the UK. Also hmm. hard to tell, what does it mean? Does every business know what a consent management platform has to be able to do, how it stays up to date? But that's the, at least the own perception is we are very strong in terms of uh, we are well positioned. We use a CMP and um, very interesting. Um, many, many people still think about privacy regulations as a block for business. Mm -hmm. And um, I think the reputation of privacy regulations is not the best um, in terms of business friendliness. But actually 
of the poll companies believe that privacy regulations can open new opportunities for, for their business. Mm-hmm. And wow. it's a minority, but surprisingly a, a large minority. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I want to come back to that in a minute, but I, I just have a question on these differences on, mm-hmm. on using CMP. Um, you just surprised me a lot because, um, I mean, I would think that within, you know, Germany being lower um, I, because the German state is is pretty – pretty hard on these issues and and the local re- legislation is pretty hard um do you think it's a lack of understanding or a lack of not knowing the tools are out there or or why do you think it's so much lower than than france or the uk that's a very very good question so i think it has to do with the digital maturity of the markets uh-huh. yeah. and enforcement so mm-hmm. um Germany has the reputation of being very rigorous on data protection and in many fields Germany is very rigorous. Mm -hmm. In the field of um, enforcing these consent requirements, France is actually leading the pack at the moment What in terms of enforcement. So the CNIL has become very aggressive since last October in uh, following up on consent management requirements. That doesn't explain the UK because the UK, um, the ICO is known to be very competent, but not known to be super rigorous on enforcement of consent management requirements in small businesses. There, I would think it's the digital maturity of the market. So the UK Mm. is in digitization way more advanced than Germany is. These are, of course, assumptions and interpretations. Right. Um, also, when we take a look at um, the numbers, um, we of course don't know exactly what people assume of being a consent management platform. Uh-huh. Um, so the interpretation of the term may be different. That's why numbers mm-hmm. may vary, of course, but I think it's mostly digital maturity yeah. and legal enforcement. Yeah, uh, that that would make sense um, on on these numbers. Then, uh, you know, coming back to to the twenty percent to see an opportunity in the privacy. Um, when I hear that, and I hear, you know, your your comments on that, most of the companies thought they understood it or they were well positioned in general mm-hmm. privacy. Okay, that kind of kind of contradicts each other. So they think they're, ge- you know, uh, do they really understand it? I mean, um, do you know, twenty cent, twenty percent see an opportunity. Um, how how can you turn that around to get the other eighty percent to see an opportunity in this? Well, I think it's an. It's a matter of educating the market. That's something our industry and also we as user centrics uh, see as part of our mission. Um, I see the 20% actually as a positive trend because from a negative mm-hmm. perception of having to comply with law, uh-huh. period, I think we are coming slowly to seeing the opportunity, which means a part of the market is already Um, more educated than it was before on that matter. And uh, that matter is not the core business necessarily uh, at the first glance. If you think about privacy, not just as a legal regulation, but 
as a tool to create user trust and uh, to actually create a relationship between your brand and your uh, and your customer, then suddenly it becomes an opportunity. And I see huge potentials with more education in that respective field that more companies actually see an opportunity and especially the SMBs. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And and do you think that's going to take time or um, your user centrics are trying to educate people? How do you go about reaching out to these small businesses and, and um, you know, saying, look at this, this could be an opportunity for your brand um, to develop trust. Um, how, how do you get to them to understand that a little bit more? That's a very good question because it's a hard task. Um, mm, yeah. it's, uh, it's a huge community of businesses uh, across the world. And uh, the way we approach it is, of course, um, <clears throat> we have several communication channels. We are running webinars uh, that are very educational, lots of content, but easy to digest. And uh, also with we partner with some of the leading organizations that actually work on digitization for SMBs. Mm-hmm. So um, part, many of them being actually Cinda members. Mm-hmm. So um, they work on digitization with SMBs. We partner with them in order to integrate even free versions of our product so that companies can get acquainted with the product itself, but not without previous education. So we run educational programs with our partners to make sure why can you try this product for free um, to say like, look, you should comply with the law and you should use a trusted brand. And also about the backgrounds of what happens with data, etc. Because SMBs understand very well how to run their business. All of this digitization is just a means to run their business. And it's our task to help the SMBs there because they don't have the same resources as large enterprises who can get all of the know-how and basically buy all of the know-how by mm-hmm. by hiring experts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that makes a, that makes a lot of sense. And um, you know, when I when I'm thinking about this, and you said in the beginning, you know, it's a it's an ever changing, it's an ever changing, yes. you know, uh, it's a moving target. I think is what you said to quote you. Yeah. Um, and, and and you know if you're if you're a baker or you know you're you're now doing um, um, you know e-commerce after the pandemic, then this is that moving target is hard to to keep your eye on because you're worried about your business. Um, yes. That was a question I had. Did you see did you see any more confusion from SMBs in the market, U.S. user centrics, um, when they went into the com- pandemic? Because all of a sudden. You know, foot traffic was gone, and a mm. lot of these businesses had to do e-commerce. And e-commerce is essentially, you know, direct mail is getting consent and everything. Was there, um, was there kind of a, a storm when the pandemic came on this? I would say so. Um, I didn't want to bring up the uh, pandemic yeah. as a pro argument uh, mm-hmm. for optimism, um, because it may sound really, really counterintuitive (laughs) to the extent of being uh, um, sarcastic, but um, it's certainly not. So they moved, many small businesses moved their business online. So um, they had to focus a lot of their attention on the internet, which I think helped increase the education and increase optimism on 
being able to use privacy as a competitive advantage because these small businesses know their customers and I strongly believe that it's easier for SMBs to build a trustful relationship mm -hmm. than uh, for large enterprises that are anonymous and scaled. Yeah. So yep. this was an, uh, an opportunity part of a very bad thing, uh, but uh, on this end, it was a boost. A lot of websites have been created, and also we realized that in terms of um, webinar usage. We realized it in terms of uh, we are um, through partners. Uh, we, are, we, are, we started offering free versions of our software that don't have, let's say, all the convenience features, but at least secure you and um, uh, and give you a brand. And we, we, we saw the usage uh, skyrocket. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, sometimes, you know, sometimes good things come out of bad things, you know, we have to say that, unfortunately, and I think we all know that, that one of the things that with the pandemic is it pushed, um, you know, pushed a lot of SMBs into the digital age. And I, and I understand what you're saying, because it probably is easier for SMB to, um, to build that trust. Uh, with their local customer who used to walk into the shop, but now, you know, they're picking it up on curbside or whatever. So, yeah. um, you know, I think I think that's a, that's a, a really important point there. Um, is there any other opportunity that you might see for SMBs with this? Well, I think it's basically an opportunity. If you think about trust, it's an op opportunity mm -hmm. to create first-party data. Mm -hmm. meaning creating really strong relationships also with their client base. Yeah. And the first step uh, or part of this journey is, of course, getting consent in order to communicate uh, uh, with them on, on various channels, uh, mostly on the Internet. And this first-party data is actually also a competitive advantage mm -hmm. because of, I think we will touch on that in yep. uh, uh, also, Based on main internet trends. Yeah, I, I think yeah, I, I think it is, and I, we're going to take a short break. And when we come back, I would I'd like to talk to you about you know for our listeners, what is first party data compared to third party data, and what's the advantage in on, on using that. So we're gonna we're gonna take a short break, Jurgen, and for our listeners, um, we're talking about the impact of consent management um, systems and the GDPR and privacy on small businesses. And we're talking about a study done by the company UserCentrix, and we're talking with Jürgen Whitehert, and he is the uh, chief revenue officer at UserCentrix. And if you'd like to learn more about UserCentrix that has a great consent management system, you can go to UserCentrix on Facebook at UserCentrix. You can go to Twitter at UserCentrix, and UserCentrix is on LinkedIn. And you can also go to www.usercentrix.com. And UserCentrix will also be presenting a white paper and the results of a lot of research that they've done at the CINDA conference in Berlin, October 10th to 13th. And if you'd like to meet UserCentrix in person, uh, then join the CINDA conference. You can go to www.cinda.org to sign up for that. And with that, we're going to take a short break and we'll be right back. Find 
out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. Tune in to the soul of enterprise, business, and the knowledge economy with co-hosts Ron Baker and Ed Klass. Ron and Ed will show you how to recognize that wealth is created by intellectual capital. It's all in the possibilities that we can create and that are created for us. These possibilities are destined to be discovered by human imagination and through the service of others, creating a brighter future for all of us. The soul of enterprise is heard live every Friday at noon Pacific time, 3 p.m. Eastern time on the Voice America Influencers Channel with a Replay on Fridays at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Today we live in a truly global environment. Business can more easily be conducted now in almost any part of the world. How do you, as a business owner or professional, navigate the ever-changing business landscape? Tune in to Leadership Beyond Borders with host Kimberly J. Lewis. With a worldwide resource of guests, you'll find out what opportunities and challenges surround diverse and virtual organizations. Listen live every Tuesday at 3 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. are listening to Leadership Beyond Borders. Do you have a question or comment about our show? Please send an email to leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Again, that's leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Now back to this week's program. Welcome back to Leadership Beyond Borders on Voice America's business channel. And this broadcast is brought to you by Cinda. And Cinda is one of Europe's fastest growing digital nonprofit associations. And you can learn more about Cinda on www.cinda.org. And we're talking about a study that was done with um, a very big consent management company in out of Munich, Germany with Cinda. And we're talking with Jürgen Weikert, and he is the chief revenue officer at UserCentrics. So um, Jürgen, we've kind of talked about, we touched on the two areas that you did in this study. We talked about the general privacy and the operations, some of the results you get. And, bef- and before, before, um, before the break, we're talking about opportunities. And one of the things you talked about was that first party data is really an opportunity um, for SMBs. But can you first can you first explain to our listeners, you know, um, what is first party versus third party data? Yes, Kimberly, of course. Uh, I mean, it's um, it's something which is really, really important uh, in terms of the future of online marketing and customer relationships um, overall. And unfortunately, the know-how in the non-internet industry um, is not necessarily uh, very high yet. But um, let me try to explain. So first-party data is the data you have collected about your customers, your audience, and you own and manage it. It came from your own website or through your app. And it comes with a consent of users, with an informed consent for uh, specific usage. Third-party data, on the other hand, is just aggregated from many different sources, consists of behavioral data, demographic data, often collected, first of all, and aggregated by an entity that doesn't have a direct customer relationship. Mm -hmm. So it's based on past user behavior, 
and not on information actively provided or explicitly provided by the user. And what we are seeing is, of course, that third-party data becomes harder and harder to use, especially when it comes to, to a personal uh, identification. First-party data, though, is basically the, the data you need to work with your customers and um, to, to basically build the loyalty of your customer base um, and increasingly important because privacy regulations are becoming stricter and stricter. Mm. And you had a question on the survey about first and third party data. Um, what, what was that and what, what are the SMBs saying about this? That's uh, very, very interesting. So the question is uh, about the development of what I just explained, mm -hmm. first party data, third party data, third party data going away, being harder to use. And um, it was very interesting. So less than half of German companies were aware of the trend. 69% mm -hmm. of French companies were aware. And 56.5% of the UK companies were aware. I would say both Germany and the UK, with the UK just being a little bit over 50% of, of all companies, were, um, well, there's a lot of work to do. 69% of uh, companies in France being aware. That was definitely surprising. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it surprises me when we talked about the other German results, um, you know, because we kind of said that was more because of the German market maturity. Um, but the UK is a, a quite a uh, mature digital market. Um, any any insights into that? I think uh, in this case, um, I would actually say that it's also the enforcement. Um, uh -huh. CNIL um, is very strict. And uh, what we saw last year were several really hefty fines on uh, French e-commerce companies that didn't handle data properly. Uh, also first party, third party data topics where probably the awareness is much higher. So at least being aware of the ongoing development is something explainable because of, um, let's say, things being very public in France. Um, and then the Germany-UK relationship probably is again explainable. Um, also traditionally, um, especially SMBs in both markets, uh, mm. worked with first-party data without actually knowing that no, they I would. Did, did, yeah. okay. um, so mm. it, uh, it's really hard to interpret outside of the uh, uh, outside of the legal enforcement, I have to say. But still, the 69%, I would say, is a satisfactory rate. But if you think about the future of communication with your customers depending on it, I personally think we should aim at much, much higher rates north of 90%, mm -hmm. where there's still room in all of the uh, surveyed markets. Yeah. And of course, mm -hmm. you never know. Um, the problem with service is uh, with surveys is very often that the answers are also um, covering the desired outcome. So that's right. a little bit of a bias yeah. um, uh, that comes with a survey. But what it clearly tells us, there's room to grow in all markets. And um, 
France mm -hmm. seems to be a little bit more advanced in that, which is also uh, a big learning through uh, several questions. I think France took a big leap in digitization, obviously, mm -hmm. uh, where the UK had a, a starter advantage because it has been um, leading in digitization for a long time. And Germany is probably still, well, um, preparing. <laughs> <laughs> yes. okay. uh, as a German, yeah. I can say that uh, Germans are very good at preparing stuff. Um, usually they always take a lot, uh, a little bit longer, but then come very strong mm -hmm. in execution. So I'm still hoping for my home country to, um, to catch up with these things. Yeah. To move the needle a little bit. Yeah. So, you know, I, when you're, we're talking about first and third party, um, you know, I, I, one of the key regulatory market developments on this is one of the biggest thing we've heard recently, um, and I have to get this question, is um, Google's announcement that they're delaying the phasing of third party cookies till 2023 instead of mm. 2022. So, I mean, what kind of effect does that have on all this uh, and, and kind of the trend? I think it doesn't have an effect, but it's a reaction. If you see mm -hmm. that uh, less than 50% of the businesses in Germany and also low numbers in other markets uh, of businesses are aware of even the trend of first party mm -hmm. data and hence also the end of third party cookies, then uh, it's a clear reaction to businesses not being ready and needing more time and what we should not forget, the, the era of third-party cookies is already coming to an end mm -hmm. because uh, most major browsers, except Chrome, already have stopped support for third-party yeah. cookies. Yeah. I think it doesn't change anything for the businesses. It just gives them the opportunity to start the preparations now. It gives them a little bit of more time to to transfer their current activities to um, to this new age. And they will need that time. So um, it's really crucial to build these solid relationships to their users. And that takes time. There mm -hmm. are technical processes, organizational processes, company policies. It involves the complete business. So I think it was the right step, a required step of Google to give the market a bit more time as being the largest browser. Mm -hmm. um, it doesn't change the urgency though, because mm -hmm. uh, if we look at the data, education does take time. I don't think we will be able to change everything um, yeah. in a few months. Yeah, I, I, and I think, you know, to be fair on the whole thing is, you know, um, with the, the digital changes that we had to do over the last 18 months and companies had to do over the last yes. 10 months, um, you put this on top of it and it's it's just an uh, another issue to deal with. So, it's really um, an issue. And uh, look, if I may uh, uh, jump into this also, if Google would just have cut off the support, uh, it would have made the Internet a place where... Um, all the personalization, all the convenience we are used to would not be possible anymore. So I think it's the right factor to say <clears throat> the time is now, take the time. And of course, probably a good move to relieve a little bit of pressure from the businesses yeah. who have been suffering yeah. enough in the previous 18 months. Um, mm -hmm. 
So definitely a thing, uh, which is probably the right thing in the market. Yeah, yeah. So um, Jurgen, we're getting towards towards the end, and this is this is a really interesting subject, and you are going to be, you know, deep digging into this a little bit deeper at the Cinda conference in October, and producing a white paper with Cinda. Um, I just as we as as we kind of conclude this, what what do you see was the biggest thing that you learned from the survey? That would be my first question. And then what, where do you, what do you, my second question is, what do you see the biggest trend for the future being? So first, what's the, what's the biggest thing you learned from the survey? The biggest thing uh, I learned is uh, definitely <clears throat> the status is um, surprising mm -hmm. sometimes. But what is the one thing that came out extremely clear is many, a small or a large minority is viewing privacy as an opportunity. So um, we have to make sure that um, as an industry, that more companies view privacy as an opportunity and strengthen their brand. Mm -hmm. Okay. And, and, and uh, yeah, sorry. No, no, and so that I think that's that's really important. And and where do you where do you see the biggest trend going to now? Because you said this is a moving target. Yeah. Where do yeah. you where do you, do you, can you can you actually see where the navigation is going or not? Well, uh, I can only see as much as as you can. But um, <laughs> so. as an industry insider, uh, what I would say is uh, there are many topics at the same time legal, technical, marketing, communication, what you basically uh, what we basically will see this whole topic of privacy will become a C-level uh, or C-suite topic in all sizes of companies mm -hmm. because it affects the overall business performance on all sides. Online, the internet will not go away. It's uh, stronger than ever. So Privacy will move further from being a legal issue to being a business topic. And that means uh, attention of the C-level suite. And we will talk less about regulatory frameworks than about users trust, brand value, and of course, long-term commitment of brands to users, not just users to brands. Loyalty programs today very often view of turning the user being loyal to the brand also, brands will have to be loyal to the user and um, accept their preferences, which um, I think cannot just be done by a legal expert within a company, of, uh, although the legal experts will play their role mm -hmm. as, part of, uh, as part of the whole company. Yeah. I, I mean, in, incredible insight, incredible trends, and... Um, you're the first person I've heard talk about brands being also, you know, loyal to the users. I think that I think that's a great point to end on. Um, and thank you very much. This has been really enlightful and looking very forward to um, hearing your presentation on this. I think you did a webinar on Cinda. So if you go to www.cinda.org, you can also see Jurgen's webinar on this if you'd like to see some of the data present in um, written form. It is available on Cinda. And Jurgen, I, I 
you know, thank you so much. This has been been really insightful. And I, are you doing? Are you going to be doing this study in the United States also, or you're thinking about it, or it's just focused on in Europe? Um, look, we are already discussing internally on uh, what will we do, and um, the focus is certainly not only to have this current screenshot of uh, of data, but of course to keep track. So uh, we will yeah. certainly do it again. Do it and, again. Um, not only in Europe, but uh, we are also uh, considering the United States. Mm -hmm including also other markets like uh, Brazil and Japan, mm -hmm. uh, where I, I can't tell exactly the timelines yet, but mm -hmm. we will, let's say, we will uh, enhance the geographic footprint mm -hmm. and, uh, and also see some really interesting developments over time, yeah. hopefully. Yeah, I think the development over time is going to be probably really interesting to look at it. So, Jürgen, thank you very much. And for our listeners, we've been talking to Jürgen Weikert, and he is the Chief Revenue Officer at UserCentrics. And UserCentrics has, um, is a company based in Munich. And they have a consent management system. And if you'd like to learn more about user-centrics, they're on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. And you can go to www.usercentrics.com. And if you'd like to reach out to Jürgen, his last name is W-E-I-C-H-E-R-T, Weikert. And you've been listening to Leadership Beyond Borders on Voice America's business station. And um, thank you very much for listening. And Jurgen, thank you once again. And thank tune you, in. Kimberly. To, uh, thank you, Kimberly. Thank you to care. the audience for listening. Okay. And audience listeners, tune in again next week. Thanks. Till then. listening to leadership beyond borders do you have a question or comment about our show please send an email to leadership beyond borders at gmail.com again that's leadership beyond borders at gmail.com now back to this week's program